Our Father, we have come this morning from busy lives and from a hectic world. We know that if you do not show up, then we are here in vain. So we ask that you would come and by your Spirit teach us. We pray that you would be honored today. We pray that um, needs in our own lives might be met in such a way that you're glorified in our lives, but also in the lives of others that we will touch this week. Father, we commit this time to you now in the precious name of our Lord. Amen. Have you ever heard anyone say, God will not give you more than you can handle? Perhaps you've said it to others, certainly well-meaning. God will not give you more than you can handle. Oh, yes, He will. He does it all the time, and we know that. I want to turn our attention this morning to a well-known passage of Scripture, Mark 6. And it occurs immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. And I've asked Amelia Starcher if she would come up and read this passage for us. Mark 6, beginning with verse 45. The feeding of the 5,000 has just occurred, and it's very interesting what is said as Jesus continues to teach here. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but then they saw him walking on the lake. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down from where completely amazed. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Thank you, Amelia. Let's pray. Father, would you this day give us a childlike faith to be able to see and learn what you have for us this morning? Please let us not just be here to play church or to go through the motions. Let us hear what the Father has for us, and let us walk hand in hand with you today. We pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Today, we will see three things. First, that Jesus sends out his followers, that Jesus keeps an eye on his followers, and that Jesus comes to his followers. First, Jesus sends out his followers, and I will add, usually he sends them out into a storm. Verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. Another translation says he constrained them to get into the boat. Now, he knew the storm was out there. Another translation says he compelled them to get in the boat. He makes his followers get into the boat, and he sends them out to encounter the storm. The storm did not take Jesus by surprise. Why does he have them get in the boat and head out into the storm? Verse 55 or verse 52 gives us a glimpse into this. It says, For they did not understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Many of us have said, If I could have just lived in Jesus' day and witnessed his miracles, 
I'd believe, I'd never worry, I would never doubt. Um, Hogwash. The disciples were there with him. They saw every miracle he did. They saw his love demonstrated every day. And yet their hearts were hardened. They did not understand his love and his power. And it was before them daily. The parallel passage in John 6 says that after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd wanted to take Jesus and to make him king of the Jews. The disciples would have been thrilled with that, for they all wanted a king. They didn't really want a shepherd. They wanted a king. And their hearts were hardened. The people wanted a king of the Jews, but Jesus came to be the king of the hearts of all of his followers. To prevent this action, Jesus sent his disciples out into this boat, and then he dispersed the crowd. They had hard hearts. They missed the point of who he was and that his power was from God. And it was only for God's glory that he had that power. It wasn't for their glory. And we, too, sometimes miss who Jesus is. He sent them out. This week, God sent out from us a group of 19 to minister in Mexico. Some of your family members are there. And right before they left, they got word that one of the Mexican airlines, Mexicana, was not flying any longer. It shut its doors and it was closed. They didn't um, bother to contact anybody. It was just on the news. And so all of a sudden, one of the flights they had in country from Oaxaca to Mexico City yesterday was canceled. Well, they had to decide what they were going to do. So I understand as of this morning that they were taking a bus yesterday and that bus broke down. Why would they encounter difficulty as they went out even to serve the Lord? He sent them there. This summer, many of you know that we had a group of 53 go to the Acapulco Children's Home to minister and to love those kids. Well, 24 of that group got violently ill as they were passing this virus around to each other. A few of us survived, and we have T-shirts to prove it. (laughs) God has sent you into your job. God has sent you into your family, into your situation. And a bunch of you right now are facing the storm. Jesus is not surprised by your situation. Can we talk together just for a little bit this morning? For some here... The wind is blowing at your backs. Life is really good. The blessings are many. You know how you're going to pay your bills this month, and you're healthy and doing well. Life is good. For others this morning, life is really hard. I can look around the room, and I can see friends who have lost their jobs. I can see friends who have serious health issues in their families. I can see friends who are facing divorce. I see friends who don't know how they're going to pay their bills this month. The list of maladies goes on. Life is profoundly difficult. The wind is blowing really hard right in your faces, just as it was for the disciples who went out on that boat into the storm. If you're a Christ follower, the wind will often blow in your face. The difficulties of life are usually not because we have done something wrong. Sometimes they might be, but usually the difficulties 
um, come in life to teach us and to strengthen us. And they're really blessings which point us to the very source of life itself. In the storms, we need to learn to ask ourselves a number of questions. What do I need to learn about God? And what do I need to learn about myself? Answer this question this morning. Which way is the wind blowing in your life? Is it at your back or is it in your face? If the wind is at your back right now and life is good, rejoice and be glad. Be thankful. And if life is good, I want to challenge you to do something this morning, and that's to look around and to consider your realm of influence and those in your life and find some to show the love of Jesus to. Richard Pratt last week challenged us that we are blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. And this morning, I challenge you to find someone who is hurting and who is in need. And if God lays on your heart someone, go to that person this week. Um, Call that person and let them know that you love them. And let them know that God loves them also. I mean, the worst that that person can say after you leave or hang up is, that was really weird. I wonder what's going on. But you know more likely what that person is to say, perhaps with tears streaming down his or her face, um, they're going to say, there's hope. Someone cares. And because someone else cares, um, perhaps God cares also. Speak hope in Christ and name his powerful name to someone this week. But if the wind is blowing in your face today, will you admit it to yourself? I know how hard that is. I'm so often fearful of admitting my own struggle. I sweep it under the carpet. I've learned that from long ago. And I want others to think that I have it all together. You know what? No one has it all together. We don't have it together in our work world. We don't have it together in our family world or in our church world or in our personal world. Can you admit your struggles? Working on this sermon a couple weeks ago, I was at a Starbucks in Winter Park. And a lady came in whom Rita and I know. Um, She doesn't go to church here, but she's a good friend. And when she asks you a question like, how are you, she really means it. And she saw me over in the corner, and she came over and said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. And after I said it, you know, I mean, I didn't even say it till I realized, that's a lie. And I said, you know what? I've really been struggling for a couple weeks, and I'm not sure why. And we didn't have much of a conversation. It ended after that because she was there to see someone else. But it was really interesting, my own reaction. But just admitting it was good for me to do. The big deal for me was finally admitting it. I want to be on top of the world. I don't want to have issues, but I do, and so do you. I'll tell you this morning that you are looking at a world-class worrier. I am absolutely great at it. I amaze myself at my ability to worry. It seems that I'm so eventful or so um, afraid of some of the events that come in life. I'm so afraid um, of some of the circumstances. And 
God has solved problem after problem in my life. For those of you who have been around here for a long time, you know that 12 years ago, um, Rita had cancer. Um, She's sitting right there. She's doing great. 11 years ago, I had heart surgery. I'm doing well. 22 years ago, Jonathan Creech and his brother were born um, at 29 weeks. They were in the hospital for 40 days. They're doing well. Um, I can give you event after event in my life that I've seen God be there and answer. And yet, I still tend to worry. You know, I was thinking um, the other day on seeing the weather report on the TV. You know how they'll show us um, from the western tip of Africa all these tropical storms that sort of line up across the um, islands there coming toward the United States. And I thought, that's what I do with worry. I take that first biggest one there, and I worry about it, and it goes up the East Coast, and we're fine. And then I go to the next one and say, well, I wonder if that one's going to get me. Now, I don't worry about the hurricanes. I I worry about other issues. That's what I do. My worrying looks just like that, though. Can you admit your struggles? Tell someone you will be strengthened in the telling of your struggle. We often think that telling someone our stories will really push those people away from us, when in reality, telling our stories draws others into our lives. Do you recognize help when it comes? The disciples are calling out in fear in the middle of the storm. They do not even recognize Jesus when he comes to them. The story is told of a coastal area here in the United States, um, and it's just a made-up story, of course, but it's during a hurricane, and the man decides he's going to ride out this storm, and a little bit um, into it, he starts seeing the wind blow, and he says, I don't think I should be here, and so he prays to God and says, God, come and rescue me. Well, a policeman comes by in a boat and says, you need to get in this boat and be evacuated with me. Well, no, thank you. Another policeman comes by, same thing. And then somebody shows up in a helicopter and says, you need to evacuate now. He goes, nope. The man dies. He goes to heaven. And he goes to God and he says, why didn't you rescue me? And of course, God says, I sent two policemen and a helicopter and you didn't get it. Sometimes God sends help to us in the shape of friends or others, and we do not even get it. And it's because our hearts can be hardened. Do we recognize when that help comes? The wind is always blowing, and it is always for our good, even when it hurts. And that's hard. That's hard to know how God is going to work it to our good. The wind is a blessing and not a curse. God is in the blowing wind always. He knows your situation. In fact, that is what is happening in this story. Our second point, Jesus keeps an eye on his followers. He saw the disciples straining at the oars in verse 48 because the wind was against them. He was aware of what he had sent them into and he was keeping an eye on them even in the storm. And I think that they were not only in his vision, but they were also in his prayers. How interesting to know that after he made the disciples go out into the boat, he sends them into the storm. Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. We don't know exactly what Jesus was praying about. We're not told. But my guess is he was praying for his friends. 
who had just witnessed his power and his glory in feeding 5,000. And he knew that they did not get it. They did not understand who he truly was. And he was praying for them. Followers of Jesus, we can take comfort for throughout the history of the church of Christ, whether the church universal or a particular church, there's probably never been a time where there was not a crisis in that church. Whether it's the church in persecution around the world or whether it's our own church, Christ has an eye upon us and we need to rest in that. The disciples were in a storm and Jesus was on the hill watching and praying for them. Know that whatever storm you find yourself in, you have one who is interceding for you. Romans 8, verse 34, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. What more could we want? We have one who sees us, and we have one who intercedes for us. I grew up in Pensacola, and there's a huge naval air station there. And as I was growing up, the USS Lexington, um, a huge aircraft carrier, was stationed there. And it had all these jet fighters on board, and sometimes it would go out in the Gulf, and you could see them taking off and landing. Well, I've been told that there's a practice that's followed on all U.S. aircraft carriers. And whenever the planes are taking off or landing, the captain always watches from the bridge. And especially in wartime, even if the planes are flying around the clock, they say that the captain is there every time a jet is catapulted off that deck or every time one of those intrepid pilots land on that floating runway, the captain is watching. Do you see that God is watching over us also? No that whatever storm you find yourself in today, you can have the confidence that you are being watched by your Heavenly Father. What would your life be like? What would your worries and fears be like? How would they be different if you knew in the depths of your being that God was truly watching and that He was truly with you right where you are? How would life be different? The winds and the waves were absolutely terrifying to the disciples. The winds and the storms of life are terrifying to us. I can remember remember when I was about 15, my family came down for a summer vacation at a place called Lake Panasofsky. It's over near Brooksville, about 50 miles west of here. And we were there to fish all week. I had my own little boat and motor, and my parents had a larger fishing boat. And we were on the other side of the lake, and it was about three miles across. And this summer storm came up, and it was brutal. And the waves got really big. And I can remember Dad said, we've got to head back right now. And he said, "Um, I'm going to give you this line from our anchor. And I put it in the bow of my little boat, and he started pulling me. And every wave that we would go through, the, the bow of the boat would go under. And um, water was getting in my boat. And Dad finally said, this isn't going to work. And to the absolute horror of my mother, my dad cut me free and said, we'll see you when you get back to camp. Now, I 
was really stupid, I suppose, because I absolutely loved it. It was thrilling. It was an adventure. It was really a passage into manhood for me. Um, Let me take a break right here and say, man, some of you um, need a passage into manhood. And I want to encourage you, Thursday morning, we start Band of Brothers right here in the upper room at 630. And if you need a fresh shot of God's grace, we're going to start with a, a thing called the mulligan which gives you the idea of starting over. This week, actually, Wally Armstrong, who many of you know, a PGA pro, um, will be kicking us off um, as we start Thursday morning. Come out and get a fresh shot of God's grace. Um, But there I am. I'm out in that lake, and I'm heading toward the shore. My parents have left. I'm sure my mother, uh, boy, my dad must have really been in trouble, but um, they they left. And so... um, It took me probably 45 minutes to get back to camp, and there on the shore looking for me were my mother and my father and my baby sister, and yet they couldn't see me until right before I appeared before them. And yet we have a God who sees through the storms, and He doesn't just watch. He comes to us. Our third point this morning, Jesus comes to His followers. About the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning, he went out to them walking on the lake. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Most of us have longed for, we've even prayed that God would deepen our trust with him and our dependence upon him. God deepens our faith and our trust through the storms of life. And I don't like that. I would like for him to find another way to do it. Because we do not expect the storms, we've wanted God to deepen our walk and our trust in him, but we've wanted him to just work it out with no pain. We've wanted him to be really gentle, is how one friend put it, in teaching us. But that's not God's way. He sends the storm. And then he comes to us. And you know what? When he sends the storm, we have no choice. We have to be dependent upon him. Now, how bad is that? That we have to be dependent upon him. We've prayed that we would learn dependence. But all of a sudden in the storm, we are really put right there. In the storms of life, we must remember... The one who is there with us in the midst of it all. When we don't remember, it's usually because somehow our hearts have been hardened. We generally think of the ones who have had the hardened hearts as those like Pharaoh or the enemies of God. But here in our passage, we have the followers of Jesus with hard hearts. If the disciples can have hard hearts, so can we. And our hearts are hardened when we are dependent on ourselves and our own inadequate resources rather than on God. Our hearts are hardened when we're critical of everything and everybody around us, when in reality those very circumstances and people are blessings that God has put in our life. Our hearts are hardened when we think we know better than God and other people that God has put in our lives. Our hearts are hardened when we love ourselves more than we love God. Being hard-hearted 
is far, far more dangerous to us than any of the storms of life that can come our way. We must learn to revel in the one who comes to us and embrace who he is. Who is this one who has calmed the storm and has come to us? Verse 50 says this about what he says. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is the I am. The one who created the wind and the rain and the wave. And the one powerful enough to calm the torment. The title I am takes us back immediately in our minds to the incredible delivery by God of his people through Moses from the Egyptians. When told to confront Pharaoh, Moses says to God, well, who do I say sent me? And God says, tell him I am sent you. God showed up. The disciples in their fear forgot who this Jesus was, and so do we. He's been faithful a thousand times in our lives, and we forget. Storms should be expected. They should not be feared. But we keep forgetting that. This morning, what do you fear the most? What do you worry about the most? And those two are very close together, fear and worry. Is it aging? Or is it disease? Is it not being able to pay the bills or losing your stuff or somebody leaving you or being rejected or failing at something? If we are controlled by our fears and worries, those are the very things which we worship. Saying, it is I. Jesus is saying, I am is here. The one who has always been and forever will be God Almighty, all-powerful, all-present, all-loving. Nothing escapes his vision. Nothing escapes his gaze. Who is this I am? Jesus tells us beautifully. And think about what it would mean to you in the storm that you are encountering right now to embrace what Jesus says about himself. He says... I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. We've all heard that God will not give you more than you can handle. I'm here to tell you, oh yes, God will give you more than you can handle. That's the whole issue of trust and faith. He brings the storms that we absolutely cannot handle by ourselves. Only in Christ can we, as we trust in Him, knowing that His grip on us is far stronger than our grip on Him. Johnny Erickson Tata quadriplegic from her teen years, says this, It is a glorious thing to know that your Father God makes no mistakes in directing or permitting that which crosses the path of your life. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is our glory to trust Him no matter what. 
Do not let your hope be on some event or circumstance or person. Let your hope be solidly on Jesus. The howling winds of life will get us far closer to our Father than the gentle breezes of good times. The howling winds of life will get us far closer to our Father than the gentle breezes of good times. And that, my friends, is the truth. Let us pray together. Father, for some this morning, it seems that the storms grow stronger and more fierce. Some really feel as if their boat is going to sink. Father, we know that you have sent us out and that the storms do not surprise you. We know that your word tells us that you keep an eye on us. And we ask that you would come now to your people in the storms of life. Father, send Holy Spirit to comfort and love those who are struggling. May you quicken all of our hearts to know these things in the depth of our beings and to know how to be there and to love others that come into our paths. Father, use us as instruments of your love and grace in each other's lives. Come, Lord Jesus, come, we pray. Father, now in gratitude this morning, we bring our tithes and our offerings to you, asking that you would use them to advance your kingdom both here and around the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.